Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. 938, Dean Richards, Sunday morning. Make him wait. WWGN. Another cigarette. Oh, man. So, uh, I forget where I was. I was someplace outside. And you know how people now, uh, thank goodness, uh, you know, most people are not smoking in buildings anymore, but they stand right in front of the doors of buildings. To smoke, smoke, smoke in that cigarette. And you have to walk through a wall of cigarette smoke in order to get in some of these buildings. Uh, and I wondered, you know, how much, uh, how much damage the secondary smoke is doing to uh, old Uncle Dean. Dr. Kevin Most is the chief medical officer over at Central DuPage Hospital. And good morning, Dr. Most. How are you, my friend? Dean, I am doing great. And what a perfect day out today so hopefully everyone's going to get outside and enjoy it perfect day to be outside and have to walk through somebody's secondary yeah (laughs) yeah is that damaging or is it just annoying to those those of us especially us us reformed smokers who are the you know the worst of all yeah i mean secondary smoke used to be really bad when people smoked inside and there were no controls now with it being smoked outside and you walking through that Probably more of an inconvenience than any really health-related issue. Oh, good. Um, but but certainly, you know, not elegant. But look what's going on with smoking. We're, we hit our lowest point of of smokers now in the in the history. Is that right? Really? Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, are we seeing it uh, increasing someplace else? I, I guess I, I'm not seeing as many people vaping as I used to. That that was you know super popular for a while and. So occasionally you still see that a little bit, but uh, that that doesn't seem to have caught on very much. Vaping has really caught on in adolescents and teenagers, unfortunately. That number has just jumped, I mean, dramatically. And you'll probably see even less and less because whether people know it or not, you can still vape indoors. You cannot smoke indoors, but you can vape. The governor is probably going to sign, if he didn't sign it at the end of last week, he's going to sign it this week saying no more indoor vaping. Mm. People have to think, oh, vaping, you know, it's why it's not bad. Certainly, tobacco has a lot of carcinogens in it, but vaping has nicotine in it, which, you know, is not only highly addictive, but can increase your blood pressure sure. and could lead to individuals then starting smoking. Of tobacco, you mean, right? Conventional, conventional smoke. Correct. And they make it, uh, you know, so, I mean, the, the vape smoke. Uh, I know it's technically not smoke, but the vape vapors, I guess, are fruit flavored. I mean, they they smell delightful. Uh, so, I, you know, I guess that's part of the attraction for young people who are doing that. It absolutely is, and and that's why one of the lawsuits against Jewel was you know, one of the uh, manufacturers was settled recently for quite a bit of money, and it was. They are enticing. They are making this product attractive to young kids who then get them hooked on it because of the nicotine and again is that going to lead now to increase number of tobacco smokers as these kids age but there's uh it's a big concern right now because really we've gone up we probably doubled the number of, of vapors in uh adolescents and teens yeah I, I hadn't intended on making this a big long segment but as long as we're talking about it i see uh young young people uh with chewing tobacco all the time as well you'll see the you know the round can and uh, they've got a little wad in the on the side of their mouth and you know disgustingly spit it <laughs> spit it out it's gross <laughs> but i mean that that's even almost like a worse kind of damage that they're doing isn't it 
Absolutely. The oral health issue and the number of people with cancers of the mouth and, and gum and tongue from tobacco chewing is very high. And that's another one. That, you know, kids look at baseball players and they look at athletes who are using this on a regular basis and they think that that's cool. And also, just like the vaping, they make these taste better. They put flavoring in them. Yeah. So not only are they getting the nicotine high from the tobacco, but also the taste is encouraging them to do it again. So concerning um, that that continues to go up, uh, certainly more in the south than up here in the north, um, but, but still uh, oral tobacco use is really a concern for future cancers down the road. Yeah, all oh, just something to uh, to think about. Um, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which I want to dig into a little bit for a couple of reasons. One, it's a uh, it's an ongoing problem that's not getting any better. But with all the problems of violence that we have uh, all across America and here in the city of Chicago, a lot of people are saying that the the core of the violence, the crime etc is a lack of uh, mental health treatment uh how bad a problem is uh mental health uh right now and uh are we in need of more treatment centers for it oh absolutely and there's you know two sides to that story there one is are we being more aware of mental health have we re- can we remove the stigma of mental health? I would say no, we haven't. You know, individuals who have depression, we're like, oh, just shake it off. Come on, smile, have a piece of cake. You know, you'll be better. But in fact, we have to understand that depression is just like diabetes. It's just like hypertension. It is a medical illness that needs to be treated, and we need to get away from the stigma of that. That being said, we don't have enough individuals to treat, whether it's social workers who are vastly underpaid, psychologists, there's not enough of them, and psychiatrists, we're very, very short. So although we're starting to identify more individuals and trying to get rid of the stigma of mental illness, we need to have more support and we need to have more individuals trained to help these people uh, cope with this illness. So how, how can we differentiate between simply being a little sad about something or mad about something uh, and actual clinical depression? What's, what's the difference? Yeah, when we look at that, and everyone's going to have blue moments. Everyone's going to be down a little bit. Something will happen in their life that's going to make them, I'll say, depressed or make them at least, at least have feelings and signs of depression. But true depression is really one that lasts for almost a good portion of the day and for many days or weeks at a time. So you can feel down about something, but then come back, you know, and change pretty rapidly. That's a normal emotional response. But individuals who have depression have those symptoms of hopelessness and, you know, low self-esteem. You know, they, they don't want to go and do things that used to be enjoyable to them, whether it's to go to a baseball game or a concert or get outside. You'll see people have weight loss and weight gain. So all of those things when put together show that this is more than just an emotional response to an action, and it really is depression that needs to be treated. Do, uh, when you say needs to be treated, do you go to your physician? Do you need to seek out uh, some kind of psychological counseling? What, what are the paths available to someone who thinks, uh, I'm not able to shake this off, this maybe something more than just feeling a little blue. Yeah. 
And, and there's two things to that. One is the individual's awareness of it, which sometimes doesn't happen. But also it's the awareness of individuals around you to be your support system to say, hey, I've noticed this. Let's get you some treatment. And treatment can be anything, Dean. I mean, treatment can be as something as simple as, you know, massage therapy sometimes works, acupuncture works. But really, getting in to see your primary care physician, whether it be a pediatrician, a family doctor, an internist, for that initial first step, because they will help grease the wheels and they will help set the tone for what's going forward. People often say, well, I I don't have time for this because I can't go and sit on a couch and talk to a psychiatrist because that's the impression that they have about how this is treated. But it's not. We have many new ways. We have many new methods. We have medications. We have telehealth. There's so many opportunities, and it's so worthwhile for individuals who are suffering from depression to get treatment, to get back to a place where they feel good about themselves, increase self-esteem, more interaction with the public and friends, you know, and really it's life-saving. I know uh, several people who uh, uh, say that they enjoy uh, the telehealth sessions that they have with social workers or psychiatrists or, you know, in in some way, therapists dealing with uh, emotional issues uh, as opposed to going to an office, sitting on a couch, you know, laying on a couch, the traditional kinds of things where you just hop on a Zoom call now or, uh, you know, a FaceTime or something like that. And it's it's simple and uh, seems more relaxing to a lot of people. Absolutely. A couple of things. One, it's more um, appreciative of the individual's time, which makes them feel a little bit better that someone is respecting their time. They can do it in the comfort of their home. You know, going and parking and walking into a psychiatrist's office, you know, you're looking around saying, oh, who's looking at me? Because even the patients have that stigma or that concern of the stigma of, of mental illness. Right. So we sit there and say, let's do this in the comfort of your home. It can be one-on-one. You can even do group therapy with Zoom calls right now. And we just have to get to that point that we use every avenue we can to treat these patients because that is what's going to make a change in their life as well as their family and friend's life. Do you think that uh, an increased uh, uh, incidence of mental uh, issues right now in society uh, can contribute to more violent behavior, more criminal behavior? Do you think that there is anything to that where people are saying that you know many of the mass shootings are a result of uh, not enough mental health Uh, treatment centers around the country? Yeah, I mean, certainly when you get to the extreme of of doing what some actions individuals who have taken, even after they've shown that they're crying out for help and they're not getting that, that is certainly there. But that's, again, that's in that top, I'll say 0.5 or 1%. Certainly those individuals absolutely need treatment and we need to look for those signs and symptoms and get them the treatment that they need. I also look at a big, much, much larger population that are very functional. They're not going to go off and do something um, such as, you know, shootings or whatever. Um, But certainly they are still suffering and need treatment as well. So depression has this huge spectrum. But certainly we are falling short on treatment here and treatment options uh, for patients. And we're really falling short in looking out for each other. If you saw somebody that you knew had 
chest pain and high cholesterol, was eating inappropriately and smoking, you would guide them and say, hey, you know what? You should probably think about changing your lifestyle. Where depression is more of that silent person that individuals have to look for those signs. And then how do you bring that up in conversation? Hey, I've noticed you're a little bit down. Have you thought about going to the doctor? We're still afraid to do that, and we have to get past that point. Yeah, and, you know, still one of the leading causes of death, certainly of gun violence in America, is suicide. Uh, are there are there things that people should look for that might be signs that someone is contemplating suicide? Yeah, you know, suicide, death by suicide, people have to understand that often that individual is going to be looking for help and is going to be reaching out and they're looking for that help. You know, that individual who is now doesn't want to go out, doesn't want to do anything, and you really start to get concerned as they're they start doing things that are inappropriate, right? You know, they give away their brand new car. Well, that's someone saying, I don't need my car soon because I'm contemplating this. They give away their worldly goods. They stop talking to people. Or they actually go and see people that they haven't seen for a while and have conversations that feel a little uncomfortable, like this may be the last time I see you. Mm. Those are the things that we really need to look for and make sure we reach out to people. There are so many avenues to prevent suicide if we can identify the individuals early enough. And we're not even talking about gun suicide or overdoses. I mean, that's, you know, those are uh, patients who really need help and need it quickly. Yeah, we'll we'll get uh, a uh, uh, website and some phone numbers on the air in a minute uh, if anybody needs uh, any of that. And we'll continue with Dr. Kevin Most. Your questions for Dr. Most, 312-981-7200, talking about mental health, uh, signs of uh, suicide. Uh, there is a hotline uh, that anyone can access 24 hours a day, a suicide uh, prevention uh, hotline, and it's simply 988. Get on the phone and you dial 988. Or if uh, it's easier on the web for you, 988lifeline.org, 988 lifeline.org is the phone number. Arv, you're on WGN with Dr. Kevin Most. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. I had a quick question regarding smoking. Um, I had gone, I was getting my preliminary kind of questions asked before I go in for my annual checkup. I'm 66, and I smoked, I gave up smoking 35 years ago, but they suggested that I go in for an ultrasound to check for aortic aneurysms. And I don't know if this is legitimate or is it is it something that I should do? So, Arv, when we look at smokers, and I don't know how much you smoked. If you quit 35 years ago, you were 31-ish when you quit. Um, yeah, something like were that. You heavy, yeah, were you a heavy smoker beforehand? So what we do is we're going to look at a lot of screening tests for individuals because we know the incidence of heart disease goes up. Not only heart disease, but aneurysms as well. The aorta is the major tube that's pumping blood out. And we know that individuals who smoke and smoke heavily can have what we call aortic aneurysms, where there's a weakening of that wall. Now, there's many screening tests for it. A lot of the fast CTs will do that. And you may also be a candidate for lung cancer screening, too, again, based on, on your uh, how much you smoked in your age. So it's not a scam. Because really, when we look for aortic aneurysms, by the time we find them, it's a medical emergency. But if we knew that they were there prior, we can then monitor them to see if they're changing, to see if they're getting larger, to a point where you need surgery 
not urgently or emergently, but almost electively based on the changing size of the aneurysm. Wow, even that many years later, that many years after quitting smoking. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Arv, thank you for the call. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Most, we always appreciate you joining us with uh, the latest uh, information. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you again next couple of weeks. Thanks, my friend. Yeah, Dean, and at 988, please, everybody, understand that that's not just for people who are considering harming themselves. Certainly, that is one thing that they can do, and they can get advice there. But anybody who has questions about suicide, you're talking to the experts. So anybody that says, hey, I'm concerned about somebody, how would I address that? Call 988, talk to those professionals, and you'll save a life. 988 or 988lifeline.org. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great week, Kev. Thank you. Take care, Dean.